Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news, and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability, everything impacting today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, Associate Editor, and in this episode, I'm going to dive into a field that isn't necessarily covered too much in the supply chain. We think of the transportation of retail products often, but what about those products that keep our houses in order? The ones that support our heating and air conditioning, our plumbing, and our electric. Today, you're going to hear me speak with Steve David, VP of Supply Chain at Trade Distributor Ferguson, as well as Frank Keenan and Emma Voss, from Epicor, a software company who is a product specific to helping trade distribution. So let's link into those interviews now. Hi everyone, I'm Brielle Jekyll, I'm Associate Editor here, and today I'm speaking with Steve Dave. David, uh, a VP of supply chain at Ferguson, and today we're going to talk a little bit about distribution for the trades um, for, you know, HVAC, plumbing, that kind of thing. Um, welcome. Good morning, Brielle. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing fine. All right. So the first thing I want to ask is um, I think people don't really think a lot about what goes on in the supply chain for the trades. Can you give me a little bit of insight into some of the trends that are happening before COVID-19 really hit the United States? Sure. Um, at, at Ferguson, we're a, um, uh, a plumbing and heating distributor primarily, but really to all building trades. Uh, we handle uh plumbing, mechanical, HVAC, industrial facility supply. Uh, so we have a lot of different, and waterworks have a lot of different uh, types of trades that we're, um, that we're serving. And so before the pandemic, uh, this, this industry is a, is a pretty backwards industry. Uh, we exist as a distributor because uh, really the manufacturers that manufacture this type of product uh, are probably not as far along as some other uh, types of manufacturers, whether it be food or electronics or uh, apparel. Uh, when you think about the building trades and the nature of the product that we handle, it's uh, you know it's not nice uniform boxes. We have pipe, we have uh, you know large <clears throat> steel fittings that that you couldn't pick up yourself, as well as uh, a lot of finished products. Um, faucets, fixtures, things that are easily damaged. Uh, and when you combine all of those things into a DC uh, and to serve this business, uh, those are our challenges. Mm -hmm. So the trends that were happening before the pandemic was really two, um, really two things. The customer is uh, really pinched from a, a, a trade skills perspective. They, uh, not as many people entering the trades and um, the, the knowledge of how things go together and how quickly they can be assembled is a real challenge for them. <clears throat> so trying to make installation easier to do more prefab uh, ahead of the work to have uh, more, uh, if you think about piping systems that connect manually rather than with uh, weld welding or soldering. 
those things are, are uh, advancing to make it easier for the install and safer, quite frankly. Okay. Uh, as a distributor, uh, we're trying to increase visibility with our vendors. Uh, we're trying to um, increase speed uh, with, the, um, with the customer. Uh, because things are getting faster, and that, those are really the things that we were, were fo have, have been focused on. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean with all the, um, how it's, you know, not boxes, easy, easy movable boxes, because my family actually runs an HVAC um, company uh, in my town, and so I have spent a lot of time in the, the local Ferguson location by me, um, and, and it's just... System. It's just, you know, giant pipes, all this stuff. And I always wonder, wow, that, how do they do it? Um, so what specific technologies do you think um, are gaining speed? So um, this, this business, uh, the wholesale trade business, doesn't really have a, a very good omni-channel presence. Mm -hmm. uh, so enabling, you know, really... Uh, creating the best uh, digital, digitally enabled relationships with our customers and, and, and moving the industry toward a more digital platform uh, is, has, been, has been key for us. So we have, we have the Ferguson phone app where people can place orders, get pricing, pay, pay a bill. Uh, we have uh, pro pickup at our counters uh, so a customer doesn't have to come in and wait. Uh, also, uh, really trying to create visibility on the web uh, so that we can do more uh, online ordering, pick up in store, all those type of things. Uh, not common to this industry and, and really not common everywhere. Everybody's making progress along those lines, but that's, that's where we have been focused. From a, uh, from a supply chain standpoint, uh, here again, all about increasing visibility with our vendors, <clears throat> being able to understand them to be able to understand what we're out of stock on, what we need them to help us with. Um, obviously, the, 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 the transportation piece, gaining visibility there. Uh, and then, the, you know, probably the, you think about demand and supply planning, but uh, the, the big buzzword now is demand sensing. So how do you, how do you understand the trends that are happening uh, within lead time so that you can adjust your purchasing um, rather than based on a, you know, kind of a long range plan. Oh, wow. Okay. So what was that? I, I've never heard that term before. What, what did you call it? Demand, demand sensing? Demand sensing. So rather than just doing demand planning, uh, which is very common, uh, where you're looking three, six, nine months out, uh, that demand sensing is really happening, uh, more within the lead time of of your vendors and most okay. of our many of our vendors are uh domestic so we have a you know we have a two three week lead time uh typically mm -hmm. uh, so trying to adjust our purchases to, to what's happening in the market uh every day rather than on a long-range plan <clears throat> uh, would be the uh be the idea okay and now so um, do you feel like this sector has has really embraced modernization or, or will embrace modernization or, or do you think most of the industry is going to stick with the tried and true methods? Well, I think we have to. I, I think we have to to be competitive. I mean, we have, uh, 
you know, we, we have the big box retailers uh, that that uh, play in our space mm-hmm. are are trying to, to go after uh, the pro customer, uh, which is different than the, the DIY customer. Uh, but they're going to figure it out. Uh, we don't know uh, what other entrants there might be to this to this business. I mean, it's we've kind of flown under the radar for uh, many years, uh, but this is a big business, and there's um, so we're going to have to embrace the technology. All the all the types of type technology you see out there for omni-channel, um, uh, we we can't we have to increase our speed. We have to add value in this space. If we can't add value, we're going to be gone. So you have mm-hmm. to do that to compete. Absolutely. Now, how do you, I know with all the, there was the non-essential businesses closures and, and all those restrictions that have been happening um, because of COVID-19, because of the pandemic, how do you feel like the pandemic affected uh, the trade distribution? Well, it's been pretty interesting. So, um, you know, we, we, Ferguson is an essential business, so uh, we're all very blessed to be working uh, from home now. Uh, but, but we had, you know, we really kind of had to have a responsibility, a duty uh, to the country, if you will, to stay open so that right. uh, hospitals can be built, so that, uh, you know, in its, in its most basic essence, plumbing protects the health of the nation. Mm-hmm. It really does. So... Uh, this essential business, we we had to stay open for our customers so that they could they could service their customers. So the pandemic pandemic was has been problematic for everybody uh, because it was so chaotic in terms of you know who, what can you do, what can't you do, who's open, who's not open. Is construction considered essential in this state or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was uh, has been difficult to navigate, uh, but also trying to figure out how to keep our associates safe while we service the customers, I think was the biggest challenge. Right. Uh, in terms of, of you know, what, what has it created? I, th- I think it's created uh, for many industries a, a an accelerated move to uh, a digital platform and enabling mm-hmm. those technologies. So uh, we're fortunate that we were on that path um, prior to the pandemic, uh, but now we're really on, on the path. So uh, right. that's, that's helped us quite a bit uh, during this time, and I think has, has served us well versus uh, some of our competitors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I've actually seen a lot of instances of those um, uh, where companies are taking on not not completely starting new um, platforms and new technologies, but yeah, but fast tracking ones that they are already working on getting because it was it was so helpful. Um, well, that's really all the questions I have. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Okay, Brielle, I, I appreciate you reaching out. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to be able to talk to uh, other business leaders. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think we'll all get through this and, and hopefully be, uh, be uh, better businesses when we get to the other side. So I thank you. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and, you know, you gave us a lot of great insight that um, I'm excited to share. All right. Thank you, Bria. Hi, everyone. I'm associate editor Brielle Jekyll, and I'm here with Emma Voss and Frank Keenan from Epicor. And we're talking about um, 
some stuff in the HVAC, uh, electric, plumbing, you know, the, the supply chain for trades. And they have a product specifically for that. Um, so welcome, guys. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. Um, so can, do you want to, uh, I guess, go into a little bit about your product and how it's specific to, um, you know, the trades and supply chains? Sure. So um, this is Frank Keenan. So our applications have been servicing the supply chain now for approximately five decades. Um, so we essentially serve the uh, distribution and manufacturing markets along with our retail arena. In the distribution market, we provide a, a variety of things. One, we provide ERP platforms to run um, the entire enterprise for a distributor. And then we have surrounding the ERP is a bunch of peripheral applications, whether that's warehouse automation, e-commerce solutions, document imaging, business intelligence, um, manifesting, just to name a few. Um, now, beyond just providing the level of the ERP, we then also provide the professional services to implement the applications. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the professional services organization to support the applications. So I'm kind of interested in what the trends are happening in this specific area. I mean, obviously the pandemic has kind of changed everything, but before that, is there a lot of innovation? Like what, what specific is happening in this area? Yeah, yeah sure. So prior, prior to the pandemic, there was a big, big move to um, not only ERP companies, but the market and trying to get to the cloud. Um, for a variety of reasons. The cloud. And the cloud, yep. So aside from the cloud, you then started to see um, other aspects of technology evolving. Uh, AI or artificial intelligence is, is a big buzzword that you're seeing and more mm -hmm. technology companies grasping. Um, business intelligence is always at the forefront. Machine learning, uh, was another area where a lot of distributors were starting to dip their toe in the water. And then you have this whole exploration around e-commerce and mobility. Um, this was pre-pandemic. -pre right. Uh, and, and, and one other thing I would say pre-pandemic also was just continuing to evolve is when you look within the supply chain, you hear the appropriate buzzwords of um, uh, value-add. And this is where an area where distributors, depending on the type of businesses that they were in, were trying to differentiate themselves, whether that is getting involved in rentals, whether that's getting involved in service, whether that's getting involved in manufacturing, whether that's getting involved in repair, um, just you know, private labeling. Uh, these are things that most distribution businesses are looking to entertain or bring into their business in order to allow for them to differentiate. All this stuff, was you know pre-pandemic going on then the pandemic hits the world melts and certain pieces start to accelerate um and what i would say what what we really saw accelerating was three aspects the first and foremost is cloud and what what drew that was oh my god I now have to get a workforce to go entirely remote. Mm -hmm. Regardless if you are essential or not, you now have to get in a remote environment. And unlike technology companies like Epicor, 
we can spin on a dime and go remote, but a lot of distributors can't spin on a dime and go remote. Then it's connectivity. How are they going to connect into their home office? Do they have the means of connecting to their home office? Then, then exploring upon, about that even further, it's now how am I going to interact with my customer? How is my customer going to interact with me? This is beyond brick and mortar. And then finally, you have another of companies that are out there on aging technology stacks or aging technology systems where they may have been homegrown. And a lot of these you know, things that people are wanting to do, they, they fundamentally couldn't, right? or it's going to take them longer. So that's where post-pandemic, the cloud became accentuated because it allows for all the IT burden to shift away from the distributor and come on the backbone of the technology provider. So from there, they don't have to worry about remote connectivity. They already have it. Right. As long as they have a PC with an internet connection, they're hooking into the business system. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, then that continues to morph forward into e-commerce. Right. You, you can't get away with just having a architecture site. So come to www.hena.com and see my, my representation of myself. No, I now need to be able to conduct business with you. I need to get quotes. I need to enter orders. I need to track shipments. I need to, because physically, I, I can't get in front of you. Right. So these things start to accentuate themselves. Um, so that's what we're seeing. And then, sorry, the, then the final two components, if you think about it for a distributor, is the minimal amount of touches to their product, the better. So now you start getting into companies thinking about warehouse automation, right? Because now I don't have, you know, where I have a warehousing staff of 20, I may not be able to physically be allowed to have 20 people in my warehouse or 30 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I have to shift them out. Or if I have automation, I may be able to do more with less physically from a people perspective. And then finally is aspects of document imaging. These are, these are things where, you know, less touch the better. Sorry. And then I'll say the final thing in this, this really didn't come about initially right away, but then when we saw, well, we all saw, right, around the globe, you know, here in the States, toilet paper became like gold. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, and then you and I, the three of us, four of us, we can't go out and find hand sanitizer to save our lives. So then you started getting restrictions being placed on what you actually can consume. Well, we're getting demands for that from our partners, our customers, and saying, can you introduce technology that allows me to restrict sales of X quantity and so on and so forth? So it's where that whole dynamic just, it just starts to evolve and change. And, you know, as a technology partner, we have to be mindful of what the buyer, our customer's buyer is experiencing and how they're going to conduct themselves in this quote unquote new norm. From my perspective, this new norm it's probably going to be in place for another two years. Right. If you think about it, right? And it's gradually as we roll out. So kind of a long-winded answer, but that's what we're seeing as a, as a software provider in the supply chain focused on distribution. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to get um, into, you know, the, the, the COVID uh, pandemic in a little bit um, more so. But Emma, do you have anything to add with, um, you know, what's hap- what was happening before in terms of trends? Like, was it moving towards, you know, a more modern or is it one of the, the slower paced um, warehousing markets? So um, overall for all our customers, the ERP is sort of like, you know, the heartbeat of their, you know, their operations, right, right. right? For most of our, our customers. And I think I'm, I'm probably add to what Frank said is that where they were always looking at, okay, I've got to move to e-commerce. I've got to do these things. I've got to find other channels to sell the pace of that just as accelerated. So I would say like where they've always been seeing technology as a way to improve their business, that was definitely always a trend. It's the, it's the, oh my goodness, I got to make sure I'm now better enabled with, with all that's going on in the, in the environment. So okay. I would say, you know, they all know they need to embrace technology, but now they know that they need to make mo- the most of it with what they have and then look at how they can make that even better, faster. Okay. Yeah. So, so my family owns a HVAC company yep. um, and we, so we obviously use a distributor. Um, but I find it interesting because, you know, I'm writing about all these um, new technologies and how, yeah, everyone's moving to the cloud and stuff like that. But I, I feel like this is one area where it has been kind of slow to okay. take on a little bit of innovation. So how are you able to like kind of um, help them and like try and, you know, show them the uh-huh. benefits and, and get in there, you know, fast and easy for them. As far as getting into adoption of the, of the cloud. Yeah. Just like have these warehouses adopt your technology. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it, it's a few things, right? So the first is replacing an ERP is very time consuming, uh, a lot of labor involved, can be highly costly just from a, an investment perspective and a lot of risk. So most organizations are very risk averse and they, the fear is partnering with a provider that potentially, I'll give you an example. If the four of us and each of us had an issue with our heart and we were going to go to a heart surgeon. The last thing you want to hear from the heart surgeon to say is 95% of the time I'm successful, right? Because you don't want to be that 5%. So it's very similar in that a little to what Emma was saying, the ERP can be the heart of a business. And you want to ensure yourself that you're partnering with a provider that understands what you do and how you do it. So when you look at Epicor and you look at our business and the fact that we've been in this industry for five decades, I mean, you're not going to find any software provider that can say that. Now, with that said, we've gone through this process numerous times with thousands of companies. And the first thing to your specific question is have an understanding of why and being able to articulate the why to your employees as to why you want to change. What's driving it? Because all a, all's a human cares about is, one, am I going to have a job? And two, is my job going to be easier if I do this? So 
that leads to the second thing is, once you understand why you're doing it, then the second thing is, what fundamentally are you having problems with? Are there things that are, it's compelling. So take the example of a distributor that's on a homegrown system that was written 35 years ago, and the individual individuals that wrote it are retired. Or maybe they're sick. Or, you know, maybe they just don't want to do this anymore. That's a compelling event. Because now you're sitting on high risk. Because now COVID hits. And you had no idea that you have to close your doors up Everybody needs to be remote, and yet you still want to conduct business. Now what do you do, right? So, or you don't have anything compelling, but you have a thousand little cuts. I wish our order processing was faster. I wish I had this capability in inventory. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. Those things start to add up. And if there's enough of those thousand little cuts that then justify me wanting to take the risk in partnering with somebody to improve my business, that comes to the third thing, is where you can document in these areas of your company, I can drive return. And that return isn't just what we describe, that return is what we mutually agree to based off of either that compelling event and what's driving it, or the death of a thousand little cuts. So then finally, what, what you know, Emma and I, we do this every day, but most distributors don't. They do it once every 15, 20 years, 30 years, if they're lucky, meaning if they were on a good system. Mm-hmm. So what I find is more buyers try and focus on one thing. And it's not one thing, but usually that one thing is functional fit. And that's important. But it's really like a chair. And there's four, there's four legs to the chair. The first leg is it has to be a functional fit, right? It has to be able to do what I need it to do. The second leg of the chair is the technology that's driving it. Is it technology that is dated? Is it technology that's constantly evolving? Is it cutting edge, bleeding edge? Is it, you know, you have to be comfortable with the technology stack you're about to partner with. The third leg of the chair is the financial viability of that organization. How healthy are they? And then the final leg of the chair, I would, I would categorize into professional services. I can have the greatest functional product in the world. I can have the soundest technology with the greatest uh, financial strength, and yet I can't implement training or support you. Then what good is it? Right? right. So it's making sure that you have all those components in when you're evaluating your provider and what's driving it. And if what's driving it is compelling enough, that makes you want to say, I want to go do this. And when I say I, I mean, you know, the ownership, the executives, and then key people, we all agree we want to do this. Then it's going out there and finding that company that can bring you through this process and not say, I'm successful 95% of the time. I'm successful 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And here's the definition of success from my perspective. Success for a distributor that goes through an ERP change is that your customer has no interruption in their business. Because the customer doesn't care about the fact yeah. that you replace systems. Think of your, your family's HVAC business. The person that comes to the counter, the contractor, potentially, or the contractor that's trying to procure those goods, it's speed. 
They need their product. They need it now. Yeah. And they need to get out and go do what they do. They, they don't care about you just replace business systems. That's not important to them. So from our standpoint, success is no interruption from the distributor's customer in the fact that you replace the ERP system. The only indicator that they should see is maybe their packing list or their order acknowledgement or their invoice might look different. So yeah. let me ask you this then. So these people have been doing, you know, everything the same way for the last 25 years or so, or they, you know, a lot of these guys, like the, the one we use, their, their dad owned it and now they own it. So what is the why for the industry as a whole to kind of, you know, take on new technologies? The biggest, the biggest things behind the why from my standpoint is what is, what's driving the organization? So your point is spot on. It's generational. For the most part, if you look within distribution, it's a lot of family-originated business. Now, mind you, equity's coming into play. There's a lot of equity groups that are buying up distribution businesses, and then you have the large organizations that are out there. But still, at the end of the day, even now, the bulk of the distribution market is small to mid-sized companies, and it's generational. You know, it's the, the grandparents started it. The father and mother were running it. The son and daughter were not coming in. And there's a couple of things associated with that. It's when the younger generations come in, you know, I still remember Donkey Kong and Atari and Pong. But most, most of the younger people that are coming out of universities and colleges, it's hard enough to recruit them to get them to go work at a variety of other businesses, let alone distribution. So now here comes it. What drives it is they see all these technologies that we can use outside our four walls of business. You know, LinkedIn, Facebook, touchscreen apps, and they come into these older businesses and it's like, what's that? Yeah. How are we going to run that? And that's where it's showing them or adopting them. When I say showing them, the younger generation showing the executive teams what you could do what's capable out there. Do you have this? Do we have these capabilities? And again, I, I hate to hark on it, but then the pandemic hits. Right. And it, it's, it accelerates. It's like, oh my God, everything Frank was telling us, he's right. <laughs> we need to move. And I'm using me as an example as a, you know, you new to the business. So that's my perspective. Yeah. If I could add to that, um, you know, with, uh, with what's going on now more than ever a lot of these uh, companies are realizing i don't want to be in the business of it i need to be in the business of distribution even more now than ever i can't worry about my systems when mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure out what my cash flow looks like so just even that and trying to free up their resources on it to do things like take care of their customers make sure the technology does that as opposed to, is the server going to go down and do I have an upgrade right in the middle of this pandemic? So I think those okay. are, those are some of the concerns that are also good motivators, you know, and to Frank's point and your point on this generational aspect of the business, you know, some of our customers, uh, you know, they're much older, they're exiting the company and they have a system that's built by an employee in the company and that employee is exiting along with them. And then it's like, okay, I want to hand it to the next generation but now it's, you know, it's owned and all the knowledge is owned by this one person who was exiting the company as well. Mm -hmm. So what am I leaving behind? 
So the need for having a more modern technology in place is even more critical so that when the next handoff happens, it's not even a topic of consideration. Like here's we, have that, we, have, we have that today to Emma's point, which is valid. Like remember I mentioned equities coming into play? Well, when equity comes in, they're very risk averse. And if you're trying to sell your organization on an equity provider and you're saying, oh, I'm on this system that Frank Heenan wrote in 1967, that starts to throw up some red flags because they know I can't stay on that. I, I'm going to have to take this company off. Right. Where if you're on a contemporary application, that's just another checking of a box. And that speaks to Frank's point of, you know, now there's a risk in the business, a risk that shouldn't really be there, right? Like it shouldn't, the technology shouldn't introduce an additional risk to the business. It should actually help deal with any other outside type of risk that might come in. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now back to implementation and COVID, I've been super curious because we've been talking a lot about how technology is helping during COVID and how here help implement our technology to help you run your business. Right. Are people one adopting new technologies right now? Um, I guess we should keep it specific to, you know, the trades. Um, are they doing that right now during the pandemic? And what is it like to have to launch and to integrate these technologies while this is all happening? Yeah, so that, that's, um, so, so a few things, right? At the start of it, at the onset, no. At the onset, and when I say the onset, I would say early March. Right around early March, mid-March, it was essentially things were plowing ahead. There was this thing occurring in Asia. Mm -hmm. We're not really sure it's going to have an impact here. It then starts to have an impact here. The political landscape or climate doesn't help. And all of a sudden, it's now become top of mind and everybody stopped. And I would say that ran through almost all of March. And then right around the middle of April, we started seeing distribution businesses loosening up the reins. And so, so to your point, Brielle, it was hard to get people into cycle. And it's still somewhat hard to get people into cycle looking to replace their ERP. Mm -hmm. But then the ones that were in cycle, it's accelerated it. Because now they have time. Okay. And now they're seeing... I don't have a choice. I have to do this. And by the way, it's not like this thing's going to go on infinitum. It will end. And when it ends, I want to make sure I'm prepared for, this is my view of it, the pent-up demand that potentially could take us off skyrocketing. Yeah. Right? This isn't like 2007, 2008, 2009 when the financial crisis and the banking industry this is a natural thing that occurred. So the natural thing, once we get our arms around it, we'll shoot out of it. So I would say for now, and then in our install base, we sell more companies looking to get automated in the warehouse, looking to get into the web. Those clients that want our on-prem solutions, looking to move and into the cloud. Does that kind of give you a... Absolutely. I, I kind of was thinking it would be along those lines. Um, it's just like so interesting to see how people are, are um, 
handling this. And I know exactly what you mean in terms of pent up demand, because, you know, um, my boyfriend actually works for the company as well. And so we've all been staying at home and trying to shut it down. So, you know, to prevent anyone from getting sick and non-essential construction, you know, wasn't really uh, involved. And, but now we're starting back up again. And so it's going to be all these jobs that we had, they're going to mad rush to the distributor and they're going to need so, so many things so fast. You hope. And then what you, what we, what we're also seeing and, and Emma saw this firsthand, you're seeing distributors get creative. Like, they evolve, right? It's it's sort of it's it's when I say creative, right? So examples like um, we have a distributor that primarily deals in three D printing. Mm -hmm. So think about what all of us see every day when we try to go to a restaurant, and you see those signs out front, um, you know, pick up and delivery, cash and carry. Well, well, this distributor did the three D printing. They did none of that before. So now COVID hits. And they say, well, we can produce those signs. Let's produce them. And then I don't know how you guys are, but, you know, here in Pennsylvania, I'm sure like it's everywhere, like you feel bad for the high school seniors that are graduating. And like, so for our local schools, they're creating signs, congratulating the, the graduates, right? Well, mm -hmm. our customer started producing those signs. Nothing that they ever did before, but it's an opportunity. Then you know, and it's more of it, but it's, it's reality, right? We go into a grocery store, we go into whatever, whatever store we can actually go into, and there's those plexiglass. Right. The barriers in front of us, right? Well, they get involved in those types of things. So my point is, strong businesses have to be nimble and be able to adapt to whatever climate's around them. You know, you can't be the Titanic and see the iceberg and continue to drive into it. That's just especially now, right? So, so we are seeing companies that are going a little outside their comfort zone and being able to adopt or adapt to the environment that they're in and continue to drive forward. So when it comes back, hey, maybe they now just picked up another avenue or aspect of their business they never had before and they can continue with that and they can go back to their bread and butter to grow further. Right. And... Yeah, we actually did talk to an HVAC customer yesterday and some of the things they mentioned, right? So um, I think the CDC just came out with guidelines yesterday on how to come back to work. And, you know, just one of the things they're recommending is to look at AC filters, right? Clean them on a regular basis. So right there, instead of that business shrinking, it's probably going to accelerate, right? Mm -hmm. So accommodating for that. They mentioned that for their, for their counter front counters, same, you know, figuring out, okay, how to put the, the plexiglass up, you know, how to make sure those customers are standing, you know, a distance, you know, at, at the social distancing space, et cetera, that's recommended. Um, and then trying to figure out um, all the different policies across all their branches in different regions, you know, just things like that um, are all things that um, they have had to, had to do, which they didn't have before and figuring and maintaining things like, um, much more regular communication than they did in the past with their employees. A big one, just to make sure everyone's feeling comfortable on a much more regular basis with, with dealing with the situation or potentially coming back in the office. So, um, you know, they're, they're talking about things like that as well, you know, uh, it, sort of adapting, as you said, to the environment and what's going on. 
Yeah, well, we are running out of time, Zoom problems. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm just very interested to see how this will go in the future. And if like, maybe this was a wake up call for some of the smaller warehouses to be like, oh, we should be jumping on technology. Well, here's where the wake up call occurred. The wake up call occurred if you continue the, the model of four balls, I buy it, pack it, and ship it. Because that got completely blown up. Mm-hmm. If you weren't thinking about what your strategies were to take advantage of the web, if you weren't thinking about how I can enable better working communication with my customer, how I can get access to my business system without ever having to be in my four walls, this was a huge wake-up call. Huge. And for those companies that felt, I'll just ride this out, meaning not the pandemic, but just I'll ride it out until I'm ready to retire. Now it's, you may not be able to ride that out. You, You, if we think as a population that we're going to wake up on June 1st and this is going to go away. It's going to be quite a while before we get back to whatever that norm is. Mm-hmm. So I think for most businesses, it, you know, as they see the economy continue to open up, they're going to have to take, you know, kind of revisit my back end and, Am I ready to be able to conduct in this type of environment? And if I'm not, then I'm going to have to look into technology. And I would tell you, Brielle, the biggest technology point I see most companies are going to go towards is going to be twofold. It's going to be cloud and it's going to be e-commerce. Right. You'll see a big, 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 big boom in that. I totally agree. Did this help? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything to add, Emma? No, I think uh, I think Frank's spot on. So I, um, you know, and I think all, all apart from the technologies, just some of the back to basic stuff and making sure they're looking at their cash flow on a much more regular basis, and even uh, looking at uh, how they're staying in touch with their customers, which I think Frank mentioned. But again, technology being a central piece of that, and that's all enabled with things like your cloud ERP and and an e-commerce solution. All those things enable that, and that's becoming way more important. So. Just an agreement there. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. And I wish you, you know, all the health from, you know, here on out. You too. Thank you. Stay well. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And thank you again to my guests for giving us that insight. Uh, Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for another episode of Link by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. And don't forget to hit subscribe on the Apple and Google playlists so you never miss an episode. Have a good day. 